We've been declaring that since day one. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open it up today to John chapter 17. Uh, you guys will probably all know where I'm headed when I say John chapter 17. I'm going to read the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And uh, we'll be looking at verses 20 through 22. And then I'm going to jump over and read verses 25 and 26 of the high priestly prayer. All right, so uh, we'll also have it on the screen, so if you don't want to flip through the Bible or your app, because I know most people don't bring a a physical Bible uh, to church anymore, but your app, or we'll have it on the screen for you. So if you're there, just say amen. Amen. If you're ready to go, say amen. 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 Let's do this. Let's read the word together. Verse 20 through 22 of John 17. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. That's a great prayer. What do you guys think? It's amazing. So let's let's read together once more, verse 25, 26. We're getting a sneak peek into the prayer life of Jesus here. It's a phenomenal uh, prayer. Uh, 25, 26 says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the words of Christ, Lord. We thank you for Jesus, the very person of Jesus. We thank you not only that he's an example, but he's our Savior and he lives in us. And so today we ask that Jesus would transform us more into his image in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I love this prayer. Personally, this is a favorite prayer of mine. And I think the reason why I love it so much is because we're getting to see, you know, Jesus prayed a lot. How many of you guys know that Jesus prayed a lot? Amen. Jesus prayed a lot, right? How many of you guys know that Jesus did not come to earth to show us what God could do? Jesus came to earth to show us what man could do in right relationship with God. Amen? So Jesus prays all the time. And when you're reading the scriptures and the story of the Bible, you'll notice that Jesus sneaks off off often and he'll go and pray. Or he'll wake up early and he'll go and pray. He'll stay up late. He'll go and pray. He'll go off into the wilderness and he'll pray. And so Jesus prays a lot. But the interesting thing about this prayer in this instance is that Jesus is praying beneath the shadow of the cross. He understands that his death is imminent, that his earthly ministry is about up, and he is just, you know, a mere few hours from being captured. And so we're getting the sneak peek into his prayer life, and he's beginning to pray this prayer that is very, very significant for those who follow Jesus. And he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for the apostles. He's praying for the 11, right, that are with him at the time. But he's not just praying for them, he's also praying for you. That's the one thing that you want to notice 
about the first passage of Scripture that we read. Jesus is actually interceding. He is praying and he is declaring over you. Today, in 2017, with his supernatural foresight, he's looking ahead and he's saying, I am praying that the Christians in the future, right, that they would be one. And not just in unity, not just have community, not just have family, but that they would experience what I am experiencing as the Son of God, which is complete oneness with the Father. He is praying over us today that we would experience union with God. He is interceding. Jesus' dying prayer is that you and I would be one with him. That you and I would experience oneness with God. That you and I here in 2017, this morning at Legacy Church, that we would experience oneness with God. How many of you guys want to experience that? So Jesus is praying this, and we all know that God is very keen to answer the prayers of Jesus because he never prays amiss, right? And so our inheritance is to experience not just God every now and then, but our inheritance because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross is to experience a union and ongoing oneness with God, and that's to be our lifestyle. How's that sound for you guys? That's, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, that's something that I really want because I just think that sounds amazing. Like what oneness with God? Yes, you know. And we read this in the Bible. We, you know, we read about oneness. We read about unity and union. But as I thought about this passage, and I said to myself, you know, why is it if this is promised in the prayers of Jesus, we don't experience it very often? Because I'm not sure many of you guys would raise your hand and say, yeah, man, I'm always walking with God. Like, it's just awesome. It's bliss. I'm just one with God, you know? And, and as I meditated on that, I realized it is very hard for two people to become one. And if you don't know that, try getting married, you know, because that's the nature of union. The Bible teaches us about covenant marriage, and they say, when a couple is married, the two shall become one flesh. That's, that's the nature of union, right? And one of my friends once said jokingly, he said, you know, if the two are going to become one, that means at least half of you has to die. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't tell me that, my premarital counseling. You know, I don't want to hear anything about dying, right? This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm about to get married. The two are about to become one. This is going to be incredible. And we've only been married for four years, but I can definitely tell you that becoming one is a challenge. All the married people in here just said amen, right? Because to do so, in order for two people to become one, the thing that you must do is deal with with your differences. And that's the subject I'm speaking to you guys from today is deal with your differences. If you're gonna become one with another person in the covenant of marriage, you're gonna have to deal with your differences. And if you are going to become one with God, you are going to have to deal with your differences. When Allison and I first met, uh, we met um, in person for a very short time maybe five-minute conversation, no longer. And we began dating really long distance. You know, I, I was that guy, sent her a Facebook message. 
you know, a lot of relationships today begin on Facebook, you know, so I sent her a Facebook message. We talked for a little bit. I didn't think that she liked me. I thought she was avoiding me. She was taking like two days to answer my Facebook message. And I'm like, I know you saw that. It says seen, you know, you've got to respond, right? And so I see on there that, um, you know, she's, she's kind of avoiding me. So I decided to get very direct. And, you know, I, was, I don't know exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, I like you, girl. I don't know. I'm just, you know, what's up? What's really good? Because I'm trying to date you. You know what I mean? So that I, I honestly, I, I got that forward because I'm, you know, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm pumped. And, and we, had, we had a Skype uh, around Valentine's Day and we decided that we were going to start dating uh, long distance. And how many of you guys know that when you first start dating someone, everything is flashy, it's new, everything is beautiful, everything is awesome. You don't even talk about your differences. All you can do is just celebrate your similarities. Even the things that you really don't even agree on, you're like, what kind of music you like? She's like, Sufjan Stevens. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. Then I'm like, what the heck is Sufjan Stevens? You know? I'm like, I don't even, and then I listen to it. I'm like, I, I hate this. This is terrible. <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, girl, it's amazing. I love that, yep. You know, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Like when you're, when you're, when you're fresh and in love, like everything's incredible, everything's amazing. You know, you're celebrating your similarities. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're continuing on in that way. And, um, Interesting thing happened when Allison actually moved back home to Nashville. Uh, we started dating a little bit more seriously. And you guys probably know this experience if you've been married. You know, we dated long distance for a while. But then here we are now in the same city, and we start to talk about getting married, which sounded like an awesome idea, like week two, you know, when we were just excited about the relationship. So we're like, okay, we need to get serious. Nine months go by, and we still have not really made a serious decision toward marriage. I am dragging my feet. I have a ring, which Mama Heidi Baker had given me that I'd never even taken out of a shoebox that I had hidden in my closet to give to her to propose because I was scared. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I can commit to getting married. After all, I am pretty independent. You know, I'm a self-sustainable person. I'm a start. I don't want anybody else's choices to determine my course in life. Thank you very much. I am just fine over here by myself, shaping my own world. I'm on my own schedule. I don't like to be on anybody else's time. You know, so, so, so here we are. We're just kind of like skating, you know, through the relationship. We're not actually having a, a, a real relationship anymore. We're not talking about marriage. We're just kind of hanging out and getting dinner together every now and then and, and not talking about our issues. And see, I think that's the interesting thing because we love to have people close enough to meet our needs, but we don't want people too close for the relationship to cost us something. And so we're like, okay, yeah, well, you know, you'll meet some of my needs. I'll meet some of yours. But yeah, I don't know if I'm really ready to get married or not. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm independent. I'm my own person. That two becoming one thing, not ready. I don't think I'm interested, you know. And so we break up. I break up with her. And for two weeks, I sat on the edge of my bed staring at a blank wall, 
thinking, my life is terrible now. I was so depressed, <laughs> you know, which, which helped me jump off the cliff into the unknown thing called marriage, right? Because anybody who thinks that they know what marriage is like but are not married, you don't know, <laughs> right? It's like, it's kind of like having kids, you know? It's like, oh, well, this is just, can't be that hard. It's so good. Look at them. They're in a good mood. Come over at 4 a.m., you know? Anyways, or 4 p.m., or 12 p.m., or anyways. So you guys know what I'm talking about, though, right? There, 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 there's something about dealing with our differences that's very challenging. But that's union. If you're going to have covenant, if you're going to have union, if you're going to have oneness with another person, you're going to have to deal with your differences. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't experience union with Christ. I think that's one of the reasons why we don't experience oneness with God is because we don't want to deal with our differences. Right? We, they just, nah, I'm okay. You know, that's okay. I, I, I don't want God's choices to determine my course in life. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I want to be close enough to God to have my needs met, but not so close that it costs me anything. Because he may ask me to do something that I don't want to do. You know what I mean? But see, that's the nature of union. That's the nature of covenant. The other person's choices get to determine your course in life. So you don't know what union is until you've wrestled to maintain it when the two of you disagree. Right? So it's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I want God, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to keep God close, and I'm going to have my spiritual needs met, and I'm going to, you know, get my glory goosebumps on. And it's, oh, this is great. But you better not ask me to do anything challenging. You know what I mean? So it's like, no, nah, I'm cool with my independence. You know, I don't want to get married to God. I'll just date him. Just indefinitely. It's just a paper. It doesn't mean anything. You should get baptized. Nah, just a thing. Doesn't matter. It's fine. It's because we all know that, that covenant is mysterious. There's no way of knowing what's going to happen when you, when you dive off the ledge and you say, my whole life. For the rest of it, I'm yours. Because you don't know what they're going to ask you to do. And you don't know what kind of decisions that they're going to make that's going to cause you to be inconvenienced. And that's why it's easier just to date. Nah, I'll just observe God from a distance. I don't actually want to have a union with him. That sounds like it costs too much. Just going to be myself over here, you know. But if we're going to have union with God, we're going to have to deal with our differences. We love the idea of union. We love the concept of covenant. After all, we watch tons of romantic comedy movies that portray it as being this beautiful thing, which it is. But we just don't want it to cost us too much. We love the idea of marriage. We love the idea of covenant friendship. We love the idea of having a BFF. FF, forever and ever and ever, as long as it doesn't cost too much, right? Eh, I'll be close enough to meet the needs. Guys, God wants to meet your needs, but before he wants to meet your needs, he wants to transform you into his image. God wants to meet your needs, but not more than he wants you to change. Just let that set, just set that, Selah, you know? 
God wants to meet your needs. He wants to answer your prayers. But even the more than that, he wants to transform you into his image. The Bible asks an interesting question. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? All right, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? So if you're gonna have oneness with God, if you're gonna have union with Christ, that means the two of you have to agree upon the direction in which you are headed. And if the two of you disagree, guess who needs to change? Right? And so God leads us, amen, he's the good shepherd. God leads us and we walk with him and we talk with him, as the old song says, you know, and, and, and we, we're on this journey called covenant, called faith, called a lifestyle of love. And, and we're walking hand in hand in union with God until a point comes where God moves in a direction that doesn't feel so comfortable. And then we're like, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go this way, God. This way seems a little nicer over here. That I don't know about that. That's come back and tell me what that's like. I'm gonna head over here, and then so most of our praying is done. You know, trying to get God on the right path. Hey, 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 God! I know you're heading that, but I need you to bless this thing over here. You know, instead of asking God to bless what we're doing, what we need to be asking is what is God doing so that we can get involved in that because it's already blessed. But, you know, okay, well, I'm, I'm headed in this direction. And so you're on this journey, you know, you're on this, you're on this path. But if you're going to walk that journey with God, if you're going to have union with Christ, you've got to deal with your differences. One of the big things I think if you're going to journey with God and walk with him is the fact that God is holy, right? Like when God named his spirit, he named it Holy Spirit, right? He could have called it powerful spirit, omnipresent spirit, omnipotent spirit, merciful spirit, graceful spirit. You know, he could have named it whatever he wanted to. He said, here's my spirit. But the title he gave his own spirit was holy, because if you don't know me by any other attribute, I want you to know that my spirit is a holy spirit. And if we're gonna become one with God, that means that we've got to become holy. That means that we have to journey with the Lord and we have to keep in mind that God is holy. He's calling us to righteousness, to live holy lives, to you know not play patty cake with sin. You know, because that's the way that God moves. And I know that we read those scriptures and we think to ourselves, you know, that's impossible. Be holy as I am holy. That's, that's a cute scripture. That's a great saying, you know. That's something that we read once a year, but it doesn't actually mean what it says. No, no. God wants you to be holy because he is holy and he wants to be one with you. And so he understands, hey, if we're going to be one we're going to have to deal with our differences. And this is the way it works, isn't it? Like the longer that you walk with somebody, you start to recognize how different the two of you really are. You don't notice it at first, which is why new friendship is easy. Or when you first start dating somebody, it's, it's you know, it's very romantic. Because there's no problems. You don't even think about the differences. But add a storm to the mix. 
Let something terrible happen. And then you realize what the relationship is really made of because you start to recognize your differences. Well, this is the way I grew up, and mom always took out the trash. Well, not in this house. Dad always took out the trash, you know? So now we're going to have to figure this out. And that's a small storm, but let a bigger storm happen. And then you really start to recognize the way that you think about life and the way that you think about God or raising kids or marriage or having a family. And then you start to see, okay, there's a lot of things different about the two of us. And what often happens at that point when you start to recognize those major differences, eh, we're going to break up or, you know, hey, we're going to split. We're not going to be best friends anymore. I don't like you. I'm going to do my own thing now. You know, you guys have probably all had that experience at some point. And that's, I mean, we love the idea, the concept of union, but we've got to deal with our differences if we're not just going to experience God on Sunday, but have oneness with him in our lives. Got to deal with our differences. It's interesting whenever Jesus is praying this, you know, he's, he, he's praying this prayer, his dying prayer is, oh, I want them to be one with me. This is what I long for. I want them to be one with me. Because what he understood was is that your oneness with God is what's going to lead to the world believing in him. And that's what he says here very clearly. He says that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then the last line of that prayer in verse 22 says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. And I know oneness seems impossible. It's, it, it seems like a crazy idea to believe that we can have union with Christ. But listen to what Jesus prays. He says, the glory that you have given me, I give to them. Did you know that you're wearing the glory that belongs to Jesus, but Jesus freely gives it to you? What the Father gave to him, he says, I'm going to give it to you. Why? So that they may be one, even as we are one. See, you can't pray up union. You can't fast enough to experience union. You can't study enough to experience oneness with God. You just receive it. <laughs> You just get it. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, because of what he paid for in his own blood, because of his body that was broken for you and I, you get the glory that was due his name. He gives it to you for the purpose of you experiencing ongoing oneness with God in the same way that he had oneness with God. Did you know your divine inheritance is to experience the same type of relationship, oneness with God that Jesus had with the father? Because that's what the glory's on you for. And, and he says, here you go. You, get, you take this glory. I give it to you now. You know, he went to the cross. He said, the helper's on the way. He said, no, no, no. I don't, I don't want the helper, Jesus. I want you. You ever thought about that before? How awesome would it be if Jesus came in the flesh and, you know, he taught and, and uh, he, he went out and did miracles and think of how many people would get saved. But Jesus himself said, it's better for me to actually go to the Father so that I can give, give you the Holy Spirit. So even when we think, man, it'd be so much better if Jesus was here, Jesus would disagree. Because Jesus actually believes that what's best for us is that we are walking in oneness with the Father because of the Holy Spirit and the glory that rests upon our lives. And that's what you have. 
And you have that freely, which is why the veil was torn in two when Jesus was crucified on the cross from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, so that we wouldn't think any man did it. (laughs) There it goes. Glory for you, for oneness. Why? So the world may know and hear and see and and listen and come to me. That's what the glory is on you for, for oneness. This is your divine right. You are allowed to experience oneness. But if you're going to have this experience, if you're going to live this way, if you're going to know union with Christ, you've got to deal with your differences. And, and we, this is Jesus' dying prayer. But what it, what, it, what it symbolizes, in a sense, is, is that Jesus here is showing us the way. He, he is teaching us. He's teaching us about oneness with the Father. What he's showing us is, if you're going to become one with God, you're going to have to do some dying. you got to do some dying. There's parts of you that do not look like the parts of God, and those parts have to go. those, Those things need to go, which is why we pray scary prayers. Like, God, we invite your glory upon us, and we want you to burn up everything in us that doesn't bring you glory. Lord, just take away every word that has been spoken over my life that you did not put there. Those are scary prayers because a lot of times words that God never gave us are actually like what provide us safety. And they stroke our egos and they make us feel good about ourselves. But those are the things that God says, now I want to deal with that. I want to ruin that. God is not trying to kill you. God is trying to ruin everything that separates you from him. I want to burn all that up. I want to destroy all that. I want to get rid of all that. I want to just heap it into a pile of ruin and ah, get out of here because I want oneness with my son. I want oneness with my daughter. So what is it that keeps us separate from God? What are these little things that keep us back from union with Christ? It's a very small word. Sin, that's what keeps us from experiencing union with Christ. It's sin. You know what sin means? Sin literally means, in both the Greek and the Hebrew, to miss the mark. It means to go in a wrong way. Think of that picture of you journeying with Jesus, walking hand in hand. Here's what sin is. Anytime we stray from that path, that's sin. Anytime we go against the guidance of Christ, that's sin. Anytime we do not walk in the counsel of God, that's sin. No, I think I'm going to go this way. But you feel that little nudge. You, ah, I should go this way. This is the way God's leading me. No, that's uncomfortable. Sin. <laughs> right? You guys okay with this? Yeah. So there's that nudge. I always tell people the Holy Spirit te- keeps me on a short leash. Because we all know what that feels like. We all know what it feels like to be somewhere in public or maybe even in private. And you're doing something that you feel that little nudge. Like, that's probably not God. It's probably just me. I'm do it anyway. Those little things, see, it means to miss the mark. See, when we think about missing the mark, you know, in thinking about sinning, you know, a lot of times we make sin out to be this humongous thing. It's this huge deal. Like, I didn't do anything. I didn't kill anybody. I'm a pretty good guy. God loves me. Right? And, and we, 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 we talk about sin like it's this huge deal. 
which the devil, by the way, always says, hey, sin is not a big deal. Sin is a very small thing. It's a very small, small, small thing until you do it. And then the devil's like, see, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. He'll never forgive you. That was terrible. That's what the devil does. It's a tiny little thing. It's not going to be a big deal. And he do it. He's like, wow, look how terrible you are. He just heaps the shame on. So we often think about sin as being like these big things, right? But sin means to miss the mark. How many of you guys know if you miss the bullseye by an inch, you still miss the bullseye, right. right? And so I think sin is the little things most often. It's the little things that cause us to separate from that path. And it may not even seem like a big deal at first. It may seem like a little nudge that has no significance whatsoever, like cutting somebody in line at the grocery store. And you like, I'm going to cut this lady. She's moving kind of slow, whatever. But then you feel that nudge, like, shouldn't have done that. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're like, nah, probably shouldn't have done that. So that little thing right there is like, ah, repent. Okay. I'm so sorry about that. Please go ahead, right? I mean, that'd be the right thing to do. But when we ignore those little things, what happens is over time, they alter our trajectory in life. And what seems to be a little thing at first, then eventually becomes a big thing. What was once a small compromise then leads us into a, a journey that, ne that Christ never intended for us to take. Wow. And then we look back after a couple years and we're standing here on our path and we're trying to figure out why God's not blessing what we're doing. And then we look over and God's been moving the whole time. He's just been moving in a different direction. Wow. Oh, man. Guess who was moving in the wrong direction? And that, that's, that's, that's what sin is. Sin means to miss the mark. And I, I honestly think that it's, it's not about missing the, the thing by, by a mile. I think we're missing union with Christ by just a few inches. Because it's the big things that get dealt with when we get saved. You know, like if we're breaking the Ten Commandments, if we're stealing and killing and doing the worst of the worst things that would get you put in prison for decades. Like when we get saved, we get convicted pretty quickly of those type things because we already know they're wrong in the first place. So it's like we come very close to Christ. He dwells within us. We receive the Holy Spirit. We're baptized, right? But in this ongoing relationship, it's these little slivers. It's these little decisions that we make on the day to day that actually give us that opportunity to hear God's voice all the time. You know, having union with God is not about having powerful, quiet times. It's about hearing the gentle whisper when you're at Trader Joe's. It's about, it's about hearing the voice of the Lord in your heart, you know, when, when you're just, when you're hanging out by yourself with, you know, maybe just laying on the couch, just getting some rest time in. Or maybe you're working. Maybe you're going about your day. Maybe you're sitting at your desk in your office. Maybe you're a contractor and you're building a house and you just feel that gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. See, that's union with God. A lot of times we always think of like the icing on the cake is like the encounter with God in our quiet time at home in our prayer chair. And you should have those moments. I have those moments, but that's not the icing on the cake. That's the cake. The icing on the cake is getting able to hear the Holy Spirit as you go about your day. That's union. So the reason why we don't have those experiences is because we ignore those experiences. No, it's not God. He didn't care anything about me cutting in front of that lady at the grocery store. He does. He speaks to you about it. And you feel that nudge and you change how you do things. For me, and you guys may not believe this, but God actually 
speaks to me about little things like that when I go to the bathroom, like at a public restroom, like a Starbucks or something. When I walk out, I feel like this gentle nudge from the Holy Spirit's like, hey, leave this place better than you found it. I'm like, I don't, that's not God. I don't want to do that. This is, they can deal with this. They have paid people who pick up these paper towels. Why is it at Starbucks? Nobody can seem to hit the trash can. You know, it's like, what were you trying to do there? Is, you know, with the... Say, what, what are you doing with that paper? You know, so I just feel that nudge. I'm like, I'm like, you know, pick it up. You know, I'm kind of looking around. Okay, I'll leave it. I don't go and tell the barista, hey, just so you know, I just picked up your bathroom. Just wanted you to know. Real, let me get some those Starbucks stars on my card. You know, I, it's not what... It's just, it's, just, it's just that stewarding, that nudge. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a small thing. And any married couple, you know, if you've been married for a while, I know you'll admit to this, it's, it's usually not the big things that cause the fights. It's the little things that compound over time that then erupt and overflow that cause the biggest problems. It's the little things. You know, God deals with me about washing my hands. I know this sounds silly, but if... If I rush out of the bathroom and I don't wash my hands, I feel like the Lord's like, hey, didn't wash your hands. You know, and I'm like, you know, and, and I know that some people would be like, that's not even a big deal. Well, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, when you don't wash your hands, you dishonor people because you're shaking their hands and you're hugging their necks and you're kissing their babies and you get to honor them by, by cleaning your hands up before you go talk to people. That's so anytime I anytime I go to a rest anytime any I'm serious at home in public doesn't matter if I'm at church or elsewhere in an airport if when I when I walk to the sink I always remember like I'm honoring somebody right now they're going to interact with with clean hands I'm not going to dishonor them I know that may sound silly but that's one of my nudges just uh, honor you know it's the little things, the little things like that. I mean, my wife and I were talking about it last night because I, I asked her, I said, hey, what are some little things that I do that just really get on your nerves? And uh, she was like, what's your angle? You know? <laughs> She's like, what are you trying to bait me into right now? And I'm like, I'm not, it's just a sermon illustration, Okay. And so we batted back and forth a few little things that, you know, we are bothered about, you know, laundry or how socks are folded or how the toilet paper is, whether it, you know, pulls over the top or goes out the bottom, you know? I mean, it's definitely the top. I mean, my Lord, how, how is this debate not over, you know? But it's, it's those little things, guys. And you, you, if you've been married for a while, you know what I'm talking about because it's usually one of those little things that set you off. That's the last time the toilet paper's wrong. You know, get in here. We're having a conversation right now. <laughs> All the married people said amen. You guys know what I'm talking about. So, but see, that, I think that's the way it is with God, guys. Honestly, I, I don't think it's the big things that keep us from union. Oftentimes, I think it's the tiniest things that keep us from union. It, you know, it's, it's like returning your cart back whenever you're going grocery shopping and, and, the, and the, cart is, the cart rack's far away. Somebody's paid to do that. But see, that's when the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you know, the honorable thing to do would be to put this cart back. 
You know, the honorable thing to do would be to make this place better than you found it. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. See, those gentle nudges, we steward those nudges because they're actually what set us up for union with God. Because it's the little things that actually uh, represent Christ to the world. You know, we're supposed to be representatives. We're supposed to represent Christ. Well, what we're called to do is represent Christ to the world through little acts of love like that, that other people might gloss over, but that people see in your life and they say, what is it that is about you? Because I know you go to church. Everybody in Nashville goes to church. They don't care about you going to church. They want to they know how you're going to treat them. How are you going to interact with them with the little things? Are you going to cheat them? Or are you going to be honorable about it? You're going to listen to the Holy Spirit and do the right thing. The little things make a big difference. Now, I want to tell you guys a story. And I'm going to get a little bit more honest with you than I did with the first service. Is that okay? Because I thought about it. I said, man, you know what? This is family. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. When I was 20 years old, before I was saved, I was not saved. Let me give this as a disclaimer the third time. I was not saved. All right, you guys got it? Not walking with the Lord. And some of you guys know my testimony. I was a drug addict and a drug dealer and an alcoholic and a terrible person when Jesus found me. And just a few months before I got saved, I was involved in a drug altercation with this guy and I didn't pay him $300 that I owed him. And I said, that's nah, fine. I'm not gonna pay this guy. He's not being right anyway. He's trying to cheat me some money. I'm not paying that dude. Forget that guy. And I walked away from it and never thought about it again. And then I got saved and I thought about it. I said, man, cheated that guy out of $300. You know, I probably shouldn't have done that, but you know, it was for drugs. Like it wasn't even the right, like I wasn't even walking with God. Besides I have the Lord's prayer. You know, God, forgive me of my debts as I forgive my debtors. He's fine. For 12 years, that has come up probably once or twice a year in prayer. Never in church. It's, it's never a big moment. It's never a powerhouse encounter. It's never a thunderous voice from heaven that says, Lyle, thus saith the Lord contact that man and give him the $300. I've never had that happen. It's been in the most quiet spaces of my alone time with God that I will have this random thought. He should pay that guy that $300. And oftentimes I say, no way, God, that's not even appropriate. That's forgive me of my debts. I am free of that. And it was just two weeks ago, which is why I'm telling this story. Two weeks ago, I was in prayers in my office. I was by myself. I was sitting there. And I do a practice every day where I, I set my, my clock for 10 minutes. And I don't talk for 10 minutes. I don't listen to music. I don't do anything. I just listen. So listen to God for 10 minutes. It's just, just a practice. I just do that. And just, just try to hear what he says. And I felt like in that, he said, you pay that guy back that 300 bucks. 12 years. You'd think that God would have given up by now. I said, God, I don't even know where that guy is. I don't have a clue. I don't know what he's up to now. Besides, if I reach out to him, I mean, there's been times I thought, man, if this guy ever sees me in public, he's probably going to punch me. You know? But I searched on Facebook and Google and started looking around. Where, 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 where this guy's at? And I found him. 
And I sent him a message on Facebook and I said, hey man, listen, I don't even know if you remember me or not. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I just want to reach out to you. And I, I need to tell you that I am so sorry because 12 years ago, I owed you $300. And I realized it was for something that has nothing to do with my life now. But I owe you this $300. And I have prayed about this for 12 years. And God's brought it up from, you know, time and time again. And I would like to give you this $300, man. I would like to honor you and dignify you. I, I stole from you. And I am sorry. And I ask you to forgive me. And the guy wrote back this super long prayer. He said, wow, I'm so surprised to hear from you. I, I didn't, what are you doing now? Where, where are you at? Like, what's going on in your life? Like, man, I, I, that was so out of character. I, you know, I've changed. I'm, I'm a different person. I'm married now. I have kids. Like, I'm not involved in any of that. And, and uh, he's like, I'm just blown away by this mess. Why is this even a deal to you? I said, I don't know, but it's a deal to God. Because it keeps coming back up. He keeps nudging me. It's not that it's a deal to me. It's not the devil. It's not, it's not shame. I was, I'm a, I was a different human being then. But just God keeps nudging me about it. I said, hey, man, look, I don't know if you got cash app or not, but I'd like to send you $300. And uh, I walked into my kitchen, our kitchen, and Allison was there. And I said, hey, look, this is random and happened long before I met you. But I owe this guy $300 from 12 years ago, and I never paid him. And... <laughs> I, just, I, feel like, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, I need to pay this guy back. And that's the great thing about my wife. Anytime I ever tell her, it, I'd say probably 99.9% .9 of the time, she discerns. She's like, that's God, go ahead. I mean, that's even how we got the name for Isaiah. You know, three o'clock in the morning, I said, hey, God said we're going to have a son. His name's going to be Isaiah. She said, all right, great. Go back to sleep. <laughs> it's a big deal, you know, naming your first kid, but that's, that's my wife. So I walked back in, I cashed out the guy, $300. I sent him the money. I said, hey man, listen, God bless you, man. I, you know, I'm a pastor now and I, I know it seems random and I know it seems crazy, but I just want you to know, I'm, I'm a person of integrity because of what Jesus has done for me. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live, I didn't want to live another day of, of God bringing this up because I, I value my relationship with Jesus so much. I don't want anything to get between us, especially something as tiny as $300. I don't want $300 to get in the cracks of my union with Christ. And for a lot of people, money gets in those cracks. You know, we hear messages about finance. We talk about tithing. God speaks to you about, nah, it's the devil. You know, but what is it? What's the small thing for you? You know, what's the little thing for you? Maybe it's, Maybe it's something that you, you need to call somebody as soon as you leave church. You need to forgive them. Maybe you've held a grudge against them for years. You need to call them, forgive them. Maybe, maybe you need to ask them to forgive you. Because you know it's weighed on your conscience long enough and it's kept you wedged away from that union with God. Because sin always separates us. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to just step out away from those wedges and step into union with God. How does that sound? So I want to ask you to stand up and we're going to pray together today. And here's what we're going to do. And I don't want you to check out. We're standing up so that we can focus. Okay. I don't want you to check out. 
we're standing up because what we're going to do this morning is we're going to deal with our differences, all right? We're going to deal with our differences. That's what we're going to do. And um, if you already know what that is, just hold it. Just hold on to it right there. Just if you want, you can even, you can put it in your hand. You know, you can visualize it. I'm take this thing out of my heart. I'm about to release this thing to God. I'm going to deal with this difference today. I heard a preacher say one time that the blood of Jesus covers your sin. And I don't remember exactly how he said it, but something like this. The blood of Jesus covers your sin, but not the sin of those who have sinned against you. And a lot of times we hold on to the sins that people have sinned against us and it causes us bitterness and we're forgiven of our stuff but we won't forgive them of theirs and I feel like that's one of the little things that can become a big thing over time so maybe that for you is you just need to forgive somebody in your heart today and you need to release them and let them go so as as you are defining your difference right now what I want to do is I want to practice something, and Pastor Brian Zahn taught us this this weekend in prayer, and it may be a little bit uniquely different for us as a community, but, you know, we're just going to try it out. You guys cool with trying out something new? Awesome. So we're going to pray together. We're going to pray a corporate prayer. It's a liturgical prayer that Pastor Brian taught us. And as we pray it, I just want you to release this difference. I just want you to let this difference go. Because union with God is your inheritance. And today, your differences are being dealt with. So as you, as you release this prayer, release that sin. Union is yours. Amen? So we're going to read this together out loud. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and union is yours. Amen. So if you receive that today, could we just lift up a big round of applause to Jesus and just bless him. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, man, that's so good. I'm, I'm just so excited to personally go deeper with this um, throughout my week. Um, just another announcement that we forgot, too, is that next week we have a welcome to church between services. So if you're new, this is a time you can come downstairs, get to know us as a church, what we have going on, ways you can get involved, just meet some more people in a more uh, intentional connection time. Um, we have a ministry team. They'll be up here if you guys want to get more prayer. Um, they'll be here 
are ready to pray with you. And if you're new and you have a connect card that you filled out or you wanna fill one out, we have the connect bar out here that you can drop that off. Say hi to Philip and Naomi, our connect directors, excuse me. And also dinner parties are going on this week. And if you haven't had a chance to sign up for one, we've got sheets out there. You can sign up. Um, We'd love to have you. Have a great week, guys.